Thank you for tuning in to the WAM podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, everybody. This is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of Women and Manufacturing podcast. I'm the executive director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in the U.S. I also run a global supply chain consulting firm called Blue Silk Consulting. We help clients with global supply chain projects and where I also do expert witness work. On these podcasts, we interview accomplished women in business and ask them to share their experiences. We are looking for insights uh, from women leaders across America that we can all learn from. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Daisy Hobson, an independent consultant and an extraordinary project manager. Daisy also works for the Reshoring Institute, but I'm going to let her tell you about her very interesting background and experience. So welcome, Daisy. Thank you, Rosemary. Yeah. Can you tell us um, a little bit about your background and how you ended up in project management? Sure. Yes, it's been quite the ride. I'm actually a ceramic engineer by undergrad degree. My first job out of college was for Motorola, where I was a process engineer. And I was fortunate enough to be on a rotation program, though. So every three months I would change positions, but I really disliked process engineering. It was working with machines and pushing buttons. And this is even before like really laptops and, you know, like smartphones existed. So I had to write down the numbers all the, you know, all day long, go to my computer, process the data. And it was just boring for me. I'm very people oriented and So even though I liked what I did, I didn't really enjoy it. So through the rotations, I ended up on a few special projects and then owning the projects, managing the projects. And I found that I enjoyed those a lot more because I got to work with other people, right? Like I wasn't necessarily the expert, but I got to pull the right people into the room and find the answers and then present, you know, my findings to the company or to the group or whatever. So once I kind of found that niche, then as I moved from job to job and industry to industry, I just made sure that I was more in a people-oriented project management type role. My title wasn't always project manager, but the role was managing projects, managing mostly products because I was still in manufacturing and in the manufacturing world at the time. What kind of projects are you talking about? Well, my very first project was a wafer breakage project. So I worked in semiconductors and I'm showing my age here, Rosemary. I know I look 12, but this is before even 12 inch. So I was working at one of the newest eight inch, you know, fabs, but then I got called in for a special project at the gallium arsenide lab, which was at the time, the latest and greatest was six inches, but they were slowly converting to six inch. I think I think most of the audience doesn't know the difference between 8 and 12 and 6 inch wafer fabs. And can you kind of give us a, a visual of what those look like? Oh, yeah. If I remember. So this would be about a 4 inch, right? So 6 inch is about here. Then 8 inch is about here. And 12 inch is about, oh, I'm not even on camera. 12 inch is about here. And they're and they're round typically, aren't they? Yeah, they're round. So they're they're literally like wafers. They just... 
Microchips are, are first made in a silicon wafer. Um, and again, it started, the very first one was an inch and then two inches and four, six, eight, and now we're at 12 inches. And so I've seen some of these too, and they're round like discs. And then the circuitry is uh, printed essentially on top of the disc. Is that right? Yes. And that's what I did. So I did several versions of the printing onto the disc. That was the rotation as you would work in the different areas. So printing or diffusion, which is adding materials, those kind of things. So it's very complicated and a lot of fun. But again, I was just working with machines. Since you asked, most wafers are made from silicon, right? So you add oxygen to the silicon, you get silicon oxide, and that's your normal wafer. A gallium arsenide wafer is a compound that's that's not made in nature. Silicon is just sand. So you melt the sand, you get your basic wafer, right? Gallium arsenide was a compound and hard to make. And so when I went to that fab, and it's called a fab and not a lab because fabricating a wafer. But when I went to that fab, they were transitioning to six inch, but they still had all the four inch production was still going on, but there was a lot of wafer breakage. Like the whole fab was seen. And again, gallium arsenide, again, it was only like this big or this big, um, but it was super expensive. So I don't remember the numbers now, but let's say if silicon was a dollar, gallium arsenide was $10. So in the further along in the process made it more and more expensive, right? The more circuits, the more processing. So they were losing money in wafer breakage. So they said, hey, Daisy, we love your enthusiasm. Can you, <laughs> I felt like I was the enthusiastic engineer for a long time. We love your enthusiasm. Can you lead this team to find out what is the lead cause of wafer breakage, right? And so I just went around and I interviewed people, you know, I mean, it seems like hard, but it really wasn't. Like, I don't even know why they had never done this before, but the project was supposed to last like two months. It took me two weeks, <laughs> because part of it is, and, and one of your questions is going to be, what do you think makes a good project manager? And it's being able to relate to people and talk to people. Like, I'm not shy. I'm not your typical engineer who likes to sit behind a computer or behind a machine and hide. I like people. I like talking to people, especially, you know, your worker bees on the floor. They're interesting and fun. And, you know, that's where you always get all the real information, right? As consultants go into a company, we don't just interview the CEO. We talk to the people who actually do the work. It was the same thing with wafer breakage is I went and talked to the people who did the work and it was very obvious that the four inch machines were causing the wafer breakage because of the tension. Like I said, it was a two month project I finished in two weeks. So, and then I was hooked because first of all, everybody loved me, right? <laughs> like I felt like a hero because they're like, oh my God, you got it done in two weeks. And they're like, so what's the cause? And I'm like, these two machines, because they're adding all this pressure here and here. And they're like, oh my God, really? And I'm like, yep. And <laughs> so they're like, so what's the solution? Transfer to six inch faster. And so they did. That was my entrance into project management. And because I felt like a hero, I kept it up. <laughs> okay. Where did you go from there after that? Then I went into more customer support roles, still in engineering and still in manufacturing, but on the new product side. So whenever you release a new product, you have your engineering team, you know, the people who design it. And I didn't like that again, because that's the people behind the desk designing stuff. Then you have the people like what you do, the supply chain, the procurement people who are trying to take these great designs by the engineers and buy the materials or whatever. Then you have people like me who need to support that. 
Right. And so I had to not only support like doing the beta testing and act like the end user, but then I also had to determine where to stock parts. I went from making wafers to making machines to make wafers. And the machines, you know, they're million dollar machines and they have gazillion parts. So what parts do you stock around the world? Right. Some of those parts are $100,000 parts. For repairing machinery. For repairing the machines, because I was on the service side, right? So I had to manage a launch, right? So I had to manage the parts for servicing, where we're going to serve it. I had to manage the training because we had to train customer support engineers. And then I had to manage all the documentation because you just don't throw a machine in the field without documenting everything. So I think you have native talent around managing projects and talking to people and so forth. But it's my understanding and my experience also that these kind of skills around project management are not typically taught in engineering school. Oh, not at all. In business no. school. So you get taught the principles about different things, but not necessarily how to manage a project. Do you just have that as a native a skill or do you go to school for it or how do you learn the project management principles? Well, like you said, and you know me well, so that's kind of your cheat. It is a little native to me because I like people. One of the things I did mention is I taught project management in Mexico. So I joined the Peace Corps, ran away from home in my mid thirties and they were new to project management. Again, project management wasn't just invented. We've been managing projects forever. It's just that now it's been more defined and put in a box, right? So so you were responsible for managing projects in the Peace Corps? I was. So I worked for, in Mexico, they have this Conacyt system. It is basically a manufacturing system all over Mexico. And their goal was to bring Mexican products to Mexico using you know, their manufacturing. So as you know, we're the Reshoring Institute, but a lot of American companies were going to Mexico building manufacturing there, but then they left, they left and went to China. And so Mexico was like, wait, 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 we have all these smart people. Why are we making American products or other markets? Why don't we make Mexican products? So they made these manufacturing centers, but they have these great ideas Rosemary, it's all these like PhDs and insanely smart master's people, but they couldn't get it to market. And a lot of that is the project management. So you have these brains, right, who can't communicate. They didn't have any marketing. They didn't have any IP experience. And they certainly didn't have any like bring it to market. Let's mass manufacture these things. So the Peace Corps, this is a special program for the Peace Corps. It's the only one that exists. It's called the Technical Transfer. And they bring people in specific like me, who'd been in industry for a while, who especially like a manufacturing engineering industry. And they had us help the Mexican government, essentially, and these centers established processes. So I was the project management person. One of my colleagues was a lawyer. So she did all the IP stuff and how to manage IP around the world. A lot of my colleagues were marketing and HR people because they didn't have the right systems and stuff for that. So essentially, they just needed kind of best practices from the U.S. And so they used the Peace Corps to do that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's not typically what you hear about when you hear about the Peace Corps. Right, More yes. like building schools in some rural African nation or something. But mm-hmm. um, interesting that this was a technology transfer opportunity. Yeah, it's the only one that exists in the world. So I was really blessed to, to be a part of it. Yeah. Okay. And, and so then- there is part of the project management I was teaching project managers, and they had already started the process. And this is where I finally realized a lot of 
the stuff I learned. So I'm going to answer a couple of your questions at the same time. So they had already started the process, but what they did is they hired the wrong people or not hired because they were already working for them, but they put engineers in the role of project management. Now for me, that was a great fit, right? These guys, not so much because they were all mechanical engineers, like designers, and they were your typical engineer, like super shy, like, so all of their projects were over budget and over time because they didn't communicate with everybody. They didn't hold meetings. They didn't have any tools to keep track of all the to-dos. And they were fine with that because they're like, I just want to design pretty things. I don't want to talk to people. Oh, control over the time and the budget is an important, one of the important skills in project management. I haven't always had to deal with budgets, but I've always had to deal with times. And the thing with project management, like I like to describe people as a project manager, you have all of the responsibility, but none of the power, right? Like anything time related, anything activity related, I didn't personally do it most of the time, right? Someone else did it. And so that's where becoming a people person is important because you have to talk you know, Rosemary into doing something for you. Not only do I have to talk her into doing it, but I have to talk you into doing it on time or maybe even on budget. So the other thing that's key is communication and not to convince you to do something for me, but because if you are running late, if you are over budget, I have to communicate that to the rest of the world. What's our risk? What are, you know, how are we mitigating it? All of that. So So you would start with a basic plan and then execute that plan to milestones or budget or activities or whatever. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah. Most of it, a product launch has a lot of milestones in a lot of phases, right? Cause you'll have like your alpha, you know, your design stage into like your beta testing into pre-launch and yeah. So you know, the milestones were very clear in most cases and then the activities were mostly clear, but again, timelines, you know, engineers have lots of excuses as to why things can't get done and they want to make it perfect, perfect, perfect. But then the customer's like, no, I need it now. So because I was in customer service, I got to be the voice of the customer, not only as a user, but also like, hey, you know, we're supposed to deliver in September. So now I need to communicate with the customer why we can't deliver in September, but also communicate the need back to the engineer. Like, yeah, I don't need that perfect, right? I just need that done. (laughs) Yeah, so changing the execution part to match the needs of the project. What What kind of tools do you use when you're dealing with a project? So again, I'm showing my age. Microsoft Project had just come out when I started working on projects with Motorola, but I hated it. It was... It was way too much. Like I didn't know. And I didn't have any classes at the time. Right. So over time, you asked about how did I learn to do project management? There is a system called a project management institute. And I did take some classes. Again, I would say 80% of it was supernatural for me. Yeah. I think that PMI, the project management institute is probably the Primo International Standards Group, as well as they have published the book, of course, the PBOC, the Project Management Book of Knowledge, right? Um, That is the reference guide for most project management. But the question, you know, when we were talking about Microsoft um, Project, while it's a a pretty fantastic tool, it's overly complicated for a lot of projects, right? My boss in Mexico was a PhD because I'm dealing with all PhDs. And he's like, Daisy, 
we don't use project. He's like, you need a PhD to use project. And I have a PhD and I can't use project. So no, I've never used projects. People try to get me to use it. And I'm just like, ah, this, and for some things, it's just way overcomplicated. And again, I took PMI classes, but I took it to establish a common language, right? Like you do with any training to, you know, the basics are, you know, planning and adapting and all, you know, so I can work in many different industries and I have because of the PMI background and having the right, 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 right. So there are Um, common, common skills, certain skills that are important, no matter if you're working on a big project or small project and irregardless or regardless (laughs) of the industry. Um, So from construction, I've done construction to software project management to big hardware project management. They all have the basic principles and, and like, you know, milestones, But as far as tool, like, again, I couldn't use Microsoft project. And so then when I was doing most of the work I did for this capital equipment, you know, this big product launch I did, and then I moved into, I worked for Palm, you know, cell phone Palm. Um, I went to customer electronics, but in both of those, I used Excel and it was a great tool. You know, it's just, you just basically need a list of activities, but I took it deeper. I made it what's a dashboard and where I measured not only the activity and who was assigned to it and when it was due, but I also talked a lot about risk and the issues that come up because, you know, you can't just have a list of activities. You always have to be paying attention to what else is going on in your environment, right? Right. So it's a very complicated, multifaceted. How about keeping track of time? or hours spent. Do you use an Excel or do you have different tools for that? So at that time, I didn't need it because we weren't billable. We were a salary. It was working, you know, in all cases, that wasn't necessary. But fast forward 10 years, what I do now, um, first of all, the tools have like have grown so much, even when from the time I was in the Peace Corps, which was from 2011 to 2013, I was still using Excel there with my counterparts in Mexico. But by the time I got home, by 2015, the project management PPM, you know, like world has really exploded. So you have things like monday.com, asana, workfront.com. What are some other good ones? Rike, R-I-K-E. The tools out there exploded. And, And a lot of it was the software industry. They also have a project management program, but it's not your waterfall like PMI is. It's agile. So it's more iterative. It's more like... Oh, that's a that's a very good point. So I think a lot of projects now use agile as a way of deploying the project itself or the work that's to be done. Can you talk a little bit about the difference in agile versus a waterfall approach? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not an agile expert. So I want to just, you know, for any of you who watch that and you're like, ah, later, I'm not an expert, but, but I can't explain it in very simple terms. Okay. Agile is great for software because you're never going to get software hundred percent. You could work on one software package for 10 years. I mean, look at Microsoft, you're still going to find bugs. You're still going to need new features. So what software did is created the agile network, which is a sprint. So we're going to work really hard. We're going to design this, but we're going to call it quits after two weeks, two months, whatever. Then we're going to launch it, but we're still now doing our next features, our next bugs, et cetera. So it's basically a sprint to get a certain number of features and bugs fixed, right? Right. You always want to fix your bugs first, but then you'll have your features that are incorporated. So you'll sprint to get that done. And then you'll launch it to the world and then you'll sprint to get the next bugs and launches. So that's more what they call iterative. So it's more like sprint, 
then review, refine, sprint, review, refine, and keep going. Right. Okay. Versus and, a waterfall, which is sequential, right? And it's sequential. In my experience, anyway, you go through the whole project, and at the end, there's a big bang, and you launch, right? Exactly. That, there's no agile, like repeating. There's very right. little repeating in there. And in agile, since you're doing sort of a piecemeal approach, essentially doing part of the project at a time, and then shutting it down and going to another part of the project, um, you have successes all along the way instead of waiting till the very end and hoping it all works together right exactly well and then you're just creating more problems and we're lucky to live in the world remember rosemary when you used to get your software in a box you were stuck with that box until the next box came well now you know i don't know it's like how many times have you gone on to Google or somewhere and you're like, hey, that didn't look like that yesterday? That's because they're, comp- you know, they're always launching. They're right. always, always doing new, right. adding new features, fixing bugs, you know, and that's why customer support, which I've always been on is customer support side is so important because we're the ears to the customer. First of all, we need to know what your big bugs are. Right. And then but also what features because, you know, engineers want to build what they want to build. But you wouldn't believe the number of times I had to go back to my engineers. I'm like, nobody cares about that. All my call drivers want this. I get a hundred calls a day about this one thing. Can you please do this one thing? I don't care about this thing. So, you know, that's why you need people like me to cheer on. (laughs) I think that's a very important skill for project managers also is to identify what the key requirements are the key deliverables and try to shut down any scope creep or extraneous, you know, product features or functions that aren't necessary. So I mean, I think that's a really, that's a really (laughs) important discipline skill in project management. So can you summarize just what are the most important skills from your perspective as a successful project manager? What are the most important skills that you have to deal with every day? That's a great question. And it's funny because I mentor a lot of people and I'm like, especially when they're trying to progress in their career or even change industries. And I'm like, oh, well, you're a project manager. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, you may have never had the title, yeah. but you're a project manager. Right. So one of them is just organization. Right. Like if you are not organized, you do not want to be a project manager. Right. But being able to take chaos and make it into an organized plan is a really good skill. I love that part. Second big skill is people. Really, you have to be a people person. I want to say you have to. If you're not, you're going to struggle because, again, project managers have all the responsibility, but none of the power. Right. So we have to work. We have to convince people to be on our team. We have to convince them to do the work, convince them to do it on time, on budget, right? Convince is a really hard word, but coming from someone who does this all the time, you know, like I manage for the Reshoring Institute, three interns right now, right? I have to convince them to do the work this weekend, you know, because even though it seems like we have two months, no, I have to like keep them on task, right? No, I need this done by the end of the week because that, because when this is done means this is done means this is done. Right. They so don't see the of, whole picture. They right. only see their part. And that's, you know, again, that goes back to organization, but also the people part is I need to let them know that their small part in this big thing is important and to get it done on time. So well, organization, people, sorry, yes. 
No, I was just going to say, you know, your enthusiasm is so contagious and we all appreciate that very much. Do you have any closing thoughts on or any uh, sort of recommendations that we could give to the audience on, you know, what they should look for uh, when they're looking for a project management or how they could perhaps beef up their own skills in managing projects? Yeah, there's tons of stuff online now. So again, if you're looking to change careers and you like people, you've probably already been a project manager. So you just have to kind of re-articulate some of the skills you already have as far as leading projects and people. So if this is something you're considering, you know, take a look at your resume and kind of tweak it. I definitely recommend that if you see, this is what I recommend to people who want to move into project management. Look at the job description and how they list like the requirements, right? Like must be organized, uh, time management, this, this, and this. And then you've already done it. So just tweak your resume to match that kind of verbiage. There's a lot of good training online, especially agile. So if you want to get into software, you know, project management, there's lots of good stuff you can take online. That's more or less for free. But again, a lot of project management, as I described to you, Rosemary, is kind of just native traits and your love of being organized. And again, I'm an engineer, so I work mostly on engineering technical projects. But, you know, there's all industries needed from construction sites to schools. Everybody needs a project manager. Traffic, like I was interviewed for a traffic project manager once, which no, thank you, but somebody would love that, right? (laughs) Just look at what you think is the perfect job description. And if it says you need these skills, then acquire those skills. You probably already have them. You just need to tweak the language. And if there is something specific you're missing, it's on the web. Just go and learn it, you know, and then start small, you know, start as like a junior project manager or project coordinator is actually the entry level where you go in and you coordinate projects with the main project manager and then learn the skills that there. And if the, you need to be PMI certified, a lot of clients or a lot of customers will pay for it, you know, or companies will. So just go with the flow, but you have to really like people. And I describe, I guess my last words is, is kind of a warning. Project management is like herding cats. <laughs> yeah, there you go. hundred percent. It's like herding cats. So if you don't like chaos, if you don't like people, you don't want to do it. Just stick with programming, stick with building the houses, don't go into project management. But if you love it, if you, you know, if you can just go with the flow and sometimes just roll with it, then project management is perfect for you. Thank you so much, Daisy. Really appreciate it. Can you give us your contact information in case anyone wants to get in contact with you? Sure. Feel free to contact me. My personal uh, email is probably the best way. My email is dhm hobson. So Daisy Helen Marie Hobson, H-O-B-S-O-N at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you very much. So you can listen to more podcasts on the Women in Manufacturing website, which is www.womenandmfg.com. So womenandmfg.com. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates at reshoringinstitute.org. And visit our website, www.reshoringinstitute.org where you can see everything that we publish regarding manufacturing in America. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.